Hi there. This is a quick message to let our listeners know that this podcast is general financial advice only, meaning it is not specific to you, your needs, goals or objectives. So don't act on this information until you've spoken to your professional financial advisor. You'll find our full disclaimer linked to our financial services guide and website in the show notes. Hello and welcome to the Invest in the Journey podcast. My name is Taylor Bree Casey and I'm the Communications Manager at Monroe Partners. With the rise of tap and go, Apple Pay, buy now, pay later, the shift from physical cash to digital payments is a structural change that has been seamlessly integrated into our everyday lives. To help explain this area of interest, sitting down with me is Kieran Moore, Partner and Portfolio Manager here at Monroe Partners. Hi, Kieran. Back-to-back episodes. You were obviously in our last episode with Dan talking about your trip to the US. Thank you for joining me again to talk digital payments. Hey, Taylor. Thanks for having me. Obviously, the last one was good. (laughs) It was good. Okay, starting off with the big picture, can you provide an overview of the digital payments area of interest? Yeah, for sure. So digital payments is really, it's it's really a simple area of interest to understand. So it's basically just about the shift from physical cash to digital cash, which is obviously happening all around the world at different rates. So the US and Canada and Australia are obviously more accelerated in their progression towards digital payments versus some of the emerging markets out there. Um, but it's been a Munro area of interest for a long period of time. And companies like Visa and MasterCard have been great investments for us for a long period of time. It's really that same S-curve that we're looking for over and over again in these situations. Are there any sub-areas of interest in this AOI? Look, not really sub-areas per se, but there's obviously a number of different categories of companies within this area of interest. So and the digital wallets, companies like PayPal and Block or Square that are in that category. Um, There's the merchant acquirers that process the transactions and and those companies are, are FIS, Fiserv, Global Payments. They're responsible for actually seeing the transaction through. Um, There's companies that obviously provide the rails, so Visa and MasterCard, to effectively just enable the payment process to happen from start to finish, from the consumer right through to the merchant getting their money. And then there's obviously companies leveraged to new themes, which are things like crypto and blockchain. Which we'll dive into a little bit later, but before we do, you mentioned S-curves or structural changes before. Is this a mature structural change or where are we on the S-curve? Yeah, it is one of our more mature S-curve opportunities. So the digital payments um, area of interest really, we think digital payments is roughly 60 to 70% penetrated on a global basis. But clearly within that, there's varying degrees of penetration if you look at the countries around the world. So as I mentioned at the start, Australia and Canada are two of the more penetrated countries out there. Uh, The US is, is just behind and then emerging markets basically have a long way to go to catch up to where the rest of the world is. So that's where we expect to see some of the incremental growth in digital payments in the years to come. So if we look back in the last few years, obviously we were, a lot of uh, countries were in lockdown with with COVID and that accelerated the shift to digital payments. Uh, Can you touch on what kind of habits were adopted during this time? Yeah, absolutely. So digital payments is really driven by a number of factors, but I think two of these big broad factors really came to the fore during COVID. And and the first of these was obviously tap and go. So tap and go used to be for payments of higher value than they are today. Through COVID, what we saw was people tapping their card or tapping their phone for payments right down to only a couple of dollars or or a simple coffee, um, just because it removed that element of physical contact with the merchant. So that really accelerated during COVID. 
The second thing that obviously happened during COVID was that e-commerce really accelerated in terms of its penetration. So e-commerce went from roughly 20% of retail sales and accelerated out to the mid-20s really quickly. And obviously to enable that e-commerce to happen, you need to be able to pay for things digitally. So that accelerated digital payments again. Everything you've just mentioned was obviously uh, around consumer transactions. What about, what is the opportunity for business to business? Yeah, this is a really big opportunity and one that's exciting for us in the years to come. So there are billions and billions of payment uh, transactions out there, billions and billions of payment dollars that effectively uh, occur between businesses that aren't done across digital payment ecosystems. So for Visa, MasterCard, for PayPal, for companies like that in particular, the opportunity to capture some of that wallet share of the payments transacting between businesses is really quite significant. A lot of businesses, particularly in the US as a good example, business-to-business payments are still done by a cheque, which seems an antiquated thing now, but really that's the opportunity for digital payment companies moving forward. I feel like I haven't seen a cheque in a very, very long time. (laughs) And Aussie's success story is Afterpay, which was bought by Block Inc., but Afterpay was one of the first buy now, pay later platforms. Can you talk about the buy now, pay later sector and the impact that it's had on digital payments? Absolutely. So Buy Now, Pay Later really was a craze that took off sort of five or six years ago and and Afterpay here in Australia was one of the dominant companies in the space. So basically the way it works is that you can obviously buy for something but pay for it over subsequent weeks or months depending on when you get the cash into your bank account. It took off basically because it was an alternative method to pay and it really accelerated some of the sales that merchants around the world saw. It's obviously not a heavily regulated area yet but we think that's probably going to come into the future. The, the real impact for us when we're thinking about buy now, pay later is, is what it does to the existing digital payment ecosystem. And so when a consumer chooses to pay for something with BNPL, what they're effectively doing is still using the rail network. So they're still using the MasterCard and Visa network to be able to enable that transaction. And the reason for that is because the merchant actually needs to get their money straight away, upfront, if you like. So... The risk is, is obviously borne by the BNPL provider, but they're essentially using Visa and MasterCard to facilitate the transaction straight away to satisfy the merchant. And so that really makes BNPL accretive to Visa and MasterCard because they're actually getting more transactions for effectively the, the same purchase by the consumer. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and a few other banks in the US was big news a couple of weeks ago. Did this have an impact on our digital payments area of interest and are there any new risks that arose from those bank collapses? Not specifically. It didn't have a um, direct impact on our digital payments companies or the digital payments beneficiaries that we've looked at. Really what it does is is more broadly just it potentially has the, the broader implication of effectively curtailing uh, activity by the banks. So if banks are less willing to lend, you know, less willing to engage in uh, consumer activity and therefore that impacts the broader macro environment. That'll impact things like consumer attitudes and consumer spending and things like that. So it's really about the impact in a broader consumer space as opposed to a direct impact on any of our beneficiaries in the portfolio. And this uh, area of interest, does it have a long runway of growth ahead of it? What is the outlook for digital payments? Yeah, so long term, we still think there's a good opportunity here for the digital payment companies. I mentioned at the start that we think digital payments are roughly 60 to 70% penetrated around the world today. And clearly, there's a there's a runway for earnings growth for a lot of these companies to come. I think in the future, if you really think about digital payments, really what they're doing is they're going to take share from banks over time. 
So if you think about the long-term opportunity, it's really the fact that if, if someone enters the financial world or enters the financial system for the first time, typically what they used to do was open a bank account. Now they can effectively start an account with, say, a PayPal or a Square or Block uh, that really removes them from that banking ecosystem, so to speak. So they can get their salary paid into, into that account. They can use that account for transactions or sharing or s- sending money to their friends or family overseas. Uh, and they can, they can trade stocks and things like that. So they can really remove themselves from the banking ecosystem. And I think when you think about those implications, that's really the long-term opportunity here. We can't talk about digital payments without talking about cryptocurrency. I feel like uh, the investment team get asked this question a lot. It's been a very hot topic for the last few years and I don't think it's slowing down. Can you tell me the investment team's thesis on crypto? Um, are the team invested? Yeah, for sure. So we're not invested directly today. We, we have owned companies in the past that obviously benefit from the proliferation of crypto and, and companies like PayPal and Block have, have clearly had some exposure here. Uh, the way we think about crypto is consistently we always come back to these S-curves, so these penetration curves that we've talked about often over the years. Crypto clearly today is right at the start of that S-curve, right at the start of that penetration curve. And we think it's got a role to play more broadly in the digital financial ecosystem moving forward. Uh, but clearly there's a number of hurdles that we'd like to see crypto overcome first before it becomes a, a more regular medium of exchange. So what are the signposts that the investment team are looking for? And I guess also, does it matter that it's currently not regulated by financial bodies? It, it definitely does. So we'd like to see, or we expect to see some of that regulation come in, in the years to come. I think the other thing we'd like to see, and, and typically what we have seen with a lot of good digital businesses over the years, is that the consumer usage of the platform. So in crypto's case, you know, we'd love to see the consumer usage really pick up and it become a regular part of consumers' everyday uh, digital lives. So, you know, if you're going onto Amazon or or you're shopping online or, or even you're buying groceries online, you know, in, if there is a world where people are using crypto to pay for those everyday applications, that's where we'd really like to see crypto get to, to have that a broader usage. And does it matter that there's many different coins out there? So over time, we would expect to see consolidation. So we'd see, expect to see some of the smaller coins that aren't really used as frequently cease to exist and, and more, uh, I guess, weight in the industry move to the bigger coins that are used more frequently and more often. And finishing on a bit of a, a fun note, what is your favourite stock in the portfolio? It doesn't have to be a digital payments. So I've gone with Amazon a few times in a row now. <laughs> I think it's, it, it will eventually get there, I hope. Uh, so it's still up there. Uh, but I think a really exciting area that's actually taken off in the last couple of months in particular is our high-performance compute uh, area of interest where we think there's a number of tailwinds with the AI thematic that we're moving into and we should see good earnings acceleration in that area in, in the short to medium term. Wonderful. I think we should hopefully do another episode on AI. But for now, thank you for your time and explaining the digital payments area of interest. Thanks, Taylor. To learn more about our digital payments area of interest, head to our website at www.monoropartners.com.au.